Hello and welcome to the Powder Blue Podcast. I I don't know what to say. This is a lot different than a week ago when we met to do this <laughs> podcast. Things are much, much different in the world and in, in the baseball world, but the greater world, most definitely. But we are here. Frank Close here with Jeff Mosher, Hunter Brody. Gentlemen, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing, great. Yeah, I'm doing I'm all right. I mean, it's uh it's, it's at rough. the point now where it's it's the shock factor is over and it's reality. And here we are. We're going through the days without sports. And luckily, we had some NFL keep us entertained today, which the day we're recording this is on Monday. But all around, it's starting to settle in that this is reality. And guess what? It's going to be reality for a long time. Inside and, the birds, you have some stuff to talk about, huh, Jeff? Uh, yeah, well, that's the, that's the kind of funny part of it, though, right? It, w- people get temporarily excited about free agency, uh, Hunter and Frank, with the NFL, but... You know, after this three days of crazy free agent frenzy, you know, who knows when without OTAs, if there's no OTAs and if there's no if the draft gets delayed and everything like that, it's it's like you don't get to see the the fruit of the labors for quite a while. just like we talk about here with baseball. I had a fantasy baseball draft. I was very excited about that. And now, you know, who knows when I'm going to see whether my my draft picks were, were good ones or bad ones. And it all came to a quick halt on Thursday. The Phillies wrap up Grapefruit League action, thirteen and five. They they would be the champions if they just decided to give this World Series to the Grapefruit League winner, huh? That would be uh, amazing. But... <laughs> Can you imagine that? <laughs> I, I I don't think it's going to happen, but uh, it's kind of nice at least to see that the Phillies kind of end up uh, end up on top like that. Uh, they finished in Northport on Thursday against the Tampa Bay Rays. You know, right before the game started, I'm thinking to myself, I think this is going to be it for a while. And we are looking at several weeks. Uh, the CDC made a statement this weekend saying that they don't want more than 50 people in one space for the next eight weeks. And of course, opening day would have been 10 days from now, at least when we're recording this on the 16th. This 26th was supposed to be opening day. Eight weeks after that, Monday, the president was suggesting that no more than 10 people be in the same place for the same time and suggested this could go on a lot longer. So so the right. Marlins and Rays just proceed as usual? They yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's hard to process is last Wednesday, I was at the Sixers game against the Pistons with 20,000 people in the building. And it's not, even, it's not even one week later, and we can't have more than 10 people in a room together. Let me ask you this, though, that that Sixers game, which I did watch on television in a bar someplace I'm not supposed to be either. But um, somebody in the building was was infected, apparently, huh? Yeah, he, yep, and he was going up against Joel Embiid all night. The only promising thing about that, at this point, we don't know if Embiid got tested or whatnot, but the Raptors played the Jazz, and they all got tested, and nobody ended up having it, and they were going up against Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. So it's nice to see that the Raptors, who just played the Jazz, nobody was positive. So that doesn't necessarily mean whoever guarded anyone on any team that had it is totally going to receive it as well. Well, I'll tell you this. If someone was in 100 feet of Embiid who has the coronavirus and he doesn't have it, that's a, that's a miracle <laughs> right there, knowing Embiid's <laughs> medical history. Well, <laughs> well, we you know in terms of baseball, uh, one minor leaguer has been confirmed to have tested positive for COVID nineteen. That is a minor leaguer in the New York Yankees organization. Uh, name has not been released, but but we've learned is the New York Yankees minor league entire minor league camp is now quarantined in their hotels, 
and they're waiting this out to see how things go. So, you know, it's funny. I, it's, well, it's not funny, but, uh, you know, the, the day that I left spring training, March 4th, you know, that was really like the first time we saw that were a couple cases. And then I'm flying back from Tampa airport and everybody's wearing masks. Now we know that wearing masks doesn't help unless you actually have uh, the virus in you. But um, but it, it, I, I'm just baffled that in 12 days, you know, I, I'm down in, in Clearwater. Uh, I spent the day in the press box that Wednesday. All was well with the world. We're all excited about the Phillies. And that quickly things change. So the idea of something going viral, like we've right. how many times have we used that talking about the internet and tweets and MLB rumors and we're actually seeing it in real life. How about that, Hunter? Yeah, I'm just disappointed because I wanted to see some baseball. You know, I wanted to see Bryce Harper get out there. I wanted to see Aaron Nola go out there and throw some pitches. You're not going to see some of the guys like Sir Anthony Dominguez if the season was to go on, which, you know, we will get into that we will conversation. Get to that. We will get to that. But I'm, just, I'm so disappointed because I was looking forward to it. I had the, the date on my calendar circled. I was ready to go. I was ready for opening day. I wanted to see us beat the Marlins. How about that? Something we didn't see last year. And I wanted to see Sean Rodriguez maybe get hit with a pitch. What? Did I say that? <laughs> I I feel like we need to create like a t-shirt or something with a slogan that says, don't let the coronavirus outbreak distract you from the fact that the Phillies thought Sir Anthony Dominguez was going to be healthy <laughs> all year long because the Phillies should be thanking everything right now, distracting everybody from that fact that they really did think Sir Anthony Dominguez was just going to be fine. Like any, you could have asked Hunter, you could have asked yourself, Frank, like nine, 99 out of a hundred Phillies fans would have been like, I don't think this thing is going to work out real, real well with Sir Anthony Dominguez, uh, but <laughs> well, we will get to that, and we will get to that in a minute. But let's let's kind of break down where we're at right now. So, here's a question I have. So, if this goes another, let, let's say eight weeks was was the benchmark, right? So, you can't just start playing again, right? So, uh, do you go back to Clearwater? Do you have more spring training? Uh, I, I got to imagine that these players can't keep a good workout. If they're not, if they're not even allowed to go to a gym, what do you do? No, I think you need two weeks. And so whenever this thing resumes, be it may be it June, be it July, I think that every team needs to at that point have, they'll probably rush it knowing baseball to one week, but I would think two weeks of, you know, batting practice, pitching practice. It'd probably be done at teams' own stadiums and facilities before they start playing. But Or maybe it just resumes in, in Florida and Arizona. But I think the teams are going to need two weeks to prepare for the regular season. So whenever, right. th- whenever get the clearance, I would say schedule two weeks and then say opening day. Yeah, here's the funny thing. Like, they pick Florida and Arizona because they're warm when it's cold everywhere else. Well, if you right. try to go to those places in June – going to be a very different experience huh so well, i mean it still should be uh, that's why i think if it le- lingers into the summer then at least it's warm enough where they can do that they can have you know spring training quote unquote in their in their facilities in the summer very very interesting well hunter would you go see that would they open workouts like the eagles do in the summer I don't know if I would go see that. I would just you mean, be- so you mean like the Eagles used to do for their fans in the <laughs> summer. They don't even do that anymore. Yeah, I don't think I would. I don't think I would go to that because I would just be anticipating the regular season getting going. My question though is, if they do get back into action, are there going to be fans? Will there be able to be fans in the stadium, or is this going to be a season where the first two months is just an empty ballpark? 
That's a great question. That happened a couple of years ago. I think one of the hurricanes caused some cancellations and, and they actually played some empty. Uh, well, who was it? The Texas Rangers uh, and no, it remember. Was, uh, wasn't the Astros because the, the, the hurricane hit the Houston area. I believe, right. No? So was it the Astros and the Rangers played in Tampa Bay? Yes. I, I remember that's what exactly it was. They, did. they moved it to Tampa. I thought they moved it somewhere else too, like Detroit, somewhere weird. But I, I thought I do remember games being played outside of Texas for those teams. Yeah, here we go. The Astros Rangers series moved from uh, Houston to Tampa. Well, St. Petersburg, that's where the Tampa Bay race play. But they moved there in August of 2017 in the wake of the hurricane there and flooding in, in Texas. So yeah, that was really, really weird. I did watch some of those games. They had no fans that, 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 that's how can a player actually perform up to their capability without any fans at the major league level. It's a totally different experience. You can get away with that. You know, I feel like in other levels, but in the MLB, I don't know how that is possible, but here's the, here's the question. It's, do you just not play games or do you at least get the product out on the field? Because you're thinking about the money and the revenue when it comes to the owners. At least if it's on TV and they're playing, you're making something. You're losing out on all the parking, all the concessions and the tickets and whatnot. But at least you're getting something in return. And that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. Other than the player's health and safety, it comes down to what the owners want to do because they need to make money. I, I think it's it's very hard to even estimate Frank and Hunter exactly you know lost season when they start when we really just don't have enough of a basis of comparison of how long it's going to take to quote unquote flatten this curve I mean if people do what they're supposed to do maybe in three weeks things are a lot better than they look right now if people don't then maybe we are having this discussion about it's June or July and the CDC is, is still recommending that people don't gather in events of 10 to f- or 50 or whatever the number is uh, I, I, they've got to do. I can't imagine that we're not going to have no a season at all. But then again, it, you know, if I look at enough numbers and stats and trends, maybe you could convince me that it's possible. Yeah, that that's that's very very difficult. Now let let's, let's take a look at a couple of scenarios for for when the te- when the season actually picks up. Now in the 1994 season, of course, there was the strike that delayed the season. Hunter, you probably weren't born yet. I was born in '95, so just missed it. Yeah. Okay. So Hunter was not alive, Jeff. So we will have to enlighten uh, Hunter and the younger audience listening to us. But 1994 was the last major strike in baseball, and when that resumed, they simply just picked up the schedule where it was. And mm-hmm. I, I guess some of the thinking behind that is okay. They already have hotels booked. They already have flights scheduled. Uh, it'd be perhaps less disruptive if you just play what was already planned. For example, now, a uh, little disappointed of all the baseball I was going to miss. I spent some money uh, last week before of all this. And I thought, okay, I will book a series in Atlanta in June, late June, uh, to, to go see the Phillies play there because I'm missing out on all this other baseball and I have this money in my pocket now, so I'll go to Atlanta. Well, guess what? Even though the schedule says the Phillies play in Atlanta, if they don't play in Atlanta, well, that that screws up myself and a lot of other fans, and and they might not be able to make the other arrangements to sort of redo those schedules. So would you consider just starting the schedule where it is according to what was published last year? What would you say, Jeff? Uh, No, I think that if you're going to truncate the season, 
then it has to be done with a redone schedule. I still think it's important to play the same number of division games that, or at least a pro- the same proportion of division games in a truncated season as you would in a full season. So, I, you know, with all the computers and the algorithms and the analytics, especially in baseball, it can't be that difficult for them to run some kind of program that can spit out the schedule that would accommodate a, you know, hundred and whatever game season, if we're even talking about that. But I, I don't think you just start where you, where you were supposed to start normal. It, you know, let's say they start playing on, you know, July 15th and that day in under the, the current schedule, the Phillies were supposed to play the Dodgers. I, I don't think you just pick up like that. I think you have to remake the schedule. I think you do need to remake the schedule, but I'm also not opposed to if they did just say, hey, this is how it's going to be, just because this is such a unique situation. And if that's what it comes down to, like this is what we have or we're really – it's not going to work out, then you're going to have to do it that way. But it is weird. Say you have all these games played against some AL teams while you don't play your division as much as you normally would. It would be weird. The Marlins play, say, the Nationals more than the Phillies do, and the Marlins stink. And I use the Marlins as an example, yet knowing the Phillies can't beat them based (laughs) off of last year. But you get my point. You know, you end up playing some AL teams more than you would your own division. It wouldn't make much sense. But if that's the only option you have, then you do run with that. But it wouldn't make more sense to attack it with a, a new revised schedule from the jump. And I would assume that would be their ideal process as well. Well, you know, think back to last year for a second. They had a lot of games in the beginning of the season and at the end of the season where they were all bunched up against the same team. So remember last year, how many times the Phillies played Atlanta towards the end? They had seven games against Atlanta from September 9th on. Washington Nationals, they ended up playing a five-game series as their second-to-last series right. before it was all said and done. All right? And and so when you have all these matchups in, in the division, and uh, you, you could easily argue it's not going to be fair if, let's say, the Atlanta Braves and the Phillies are fighting for the division and the Washington Nationals are you know, one of those strong forces in the East, and the Braves play the Nationals two times, and the Phillies play the Nationals nine times because they missed a bunch of games in the beginning of the season. Would you be opposed, guys, to perhaps, and maybe I'll ask you first, Hunter, just letting this, the schedule be even less balanced because you're forced to, to, to work under these circumstances. Yeah, yes, I, I would be okay with that. You look around with what's going on with the NBA. If we're just going to relate this to other leagues right now, you might just get thrown into the playoffs if they end up having that chance to do it. I don't know. It kind of seems like they might have to cancel the season, but if they do get thrown into it, they might get thrown into it. I saw an NHL report where there's a possibility it just, hey, here's the playoffs, and they might have like a whole entire restructured <laughs> thing where everyone sort of gets a chance when they come back right from it. Now, you know, if you were in first place, second place, you have a bigger advantage than, say, the last place team. But there's just a lot of different options out there on the table. This is such a weird and unique situation that you can't end up really, you know, being prepared for. So if that's the case and that's what it takes to at least get some baseball, then you just rock and roll with it and you go with the punches. Man, I'm okay. I, I'm okay with that as long as the last nine games determine the seating. What do you think about that, Jeff? Yeah, no, I think that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> it's fair because it means there's actually baseball going on and it's meaningful. I mean, having this discussion right now is painful. It's really <laughs> difficult for me. Um, and you know, I think most people who who know me through Philadelphia media guys, you know, 
associate me with covering the Eagles and knowing my my football. We still got to do something about your Twitter handle, uh, handle Jeff. I've yeah, been saying we gotta, that. We got to do something about that, right? But um, baseball was my first love. It is still my favorite sport. <laughs> and the idea of an entire season without baseball or even like 75% of a summer without baseball and like it's it's it bothers me man it's really it's really difficult for me to even think about i mean so, i know listen i don't want to sound like i don't realize that there are bigger things going on i absolutely do and you know that's part of like uh i guess ugly american problems is that the biggest thing you're upset about <laughs> is that you're missing baseball I'm not trying to lose perspective here it's just like since i was a kid there was baseball and summer and uh to think about a summer without it is is difficult let me ask you guys this then. Would you be up to some creative options to at least make the schedule feel a little bit more fuller? So I heard somebody suggest, well, one, regularly scheduled doubleheaders. Now, I know that the Players Union doesn't like those anymore, but how about a shorter game where you have some doubleheaders? So I even heard someone be willing to go as, as short as five-inning games, but they're doubleheaders back-to-back just to try to – just to try to get some more games in. All right, so nah. our, 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 listing, no, thank our you. listeners no. can't, can't hear that, but you both started shaking your head immediately. So tell me what you think about that, Hunter. Nah, it's, it's changing the game. I mean, you can't change the game. That's like saying, hey, when the NHL comes back, we're going three on three the whole time, but maybe we'll play three games in, in that day. I'm not changing the game. I'd rather have, uh, if it's 60 games, and then, hey, that's the 60-game schedule right from the jump, and you got to rock and roll with it, then I do that. But I'm not going to change innings and go all nuts with double headers five innings certain amount of people dressed no we're gonna play nine innings and we're just gonna play the game if it's a shortened schedule then so be it yeah i i would agree first of all I, the reason i started shaking my head was less because of the 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 you know the structural change and more about thinking with the phillies in their bullpen what they would have to do <laughs> just to get through a day uh if there was a week where there were two or three double headers that would just you know some teams are better prepared for that than others and right now i can't say the phillies are one and then i thought my god gabe kapler and the giants like what would happen if they had to play <laughs> two or three double headers in one week the, the, the whole pitching staff would be murdered unfortunately for him you can't play position players anymore right you can't bring them into pitch so i don't know how gabe would fight figure his way out of that one actually but. you bring up a really good point that, that, that i did want to address is some of these rule changes that were supposed to go in effect this year do you just scrap them just because Man, that's a really good point you know like the, the, the spring training didn't really play itself out you might have started to to um deal with like the the three out bullpen you know for every reliever that comes in has to pitch three outs or close the inning stuff like that you, you give a little bit of wiggle room for one more year just until you get a fresh year it's very possible. I mean, I'm starting to question right now, did people build their rosters for that rule this offseason? But with spring training, there were so many question marks for so many rosters. I guess it's not like everything was set in stone for this season, specifically just for that rule. So I think if you wanted to lean that way, it's possible. And to be honest with you, I feel like the players and the managers in the league might actually prefer that rule to go away anyway. They would probably want one batter like it was for however long it's been since the start of baseball. So I don't think that they would complain based off of where their roster is at the moment if they did go with the old rule for the time being. Yeah, you make a good point about whether or not teams had adjusted to that rule already and kind of structured their their personnel decisions accordingly. 
it's impossible to tell. Uh, I don't know why. I mean, I, I have no scientific reason for why I all of a sudden think that they shouldn't start testing the new rules because once baseball starts, if baseball starts. But I tend to think that it's it would be a bad time to start auditioning these new rules in the middle of a truncated year. It seems not right. So now that this spring training has ended, perhaps, uh, you know, I think I think even if they do have some time to work out before the season, the games are done, right? You, th- you think that's pretty much settled. There's no more spring training games. So if you're trying to figure out the roster construction, can the Phillies say, as of right now, bring this back to the Phillies specifically, who's their fifth starter and who's in their bullpen? Can they answer those two questions if the next time they take the field isn't a major league baseball game? No. And in fact, I do wonder, uh, you asked if there would be spring training games or if those were totally gone, but if they do resume at some point and everybody comes North, you do wonder if they'll have a couple of days of say, kind of like the exhibition series, right? Where you play teams close to you, like the Phillies play the pirates, uh, you know, in a double header, just like an exhibition double header. And then maybe the, the Raven, I'm sorry, Ravens, she's sorry. Uh, the, the Orioles, uh, I, I think that that would be something that would be a good idea. You know, just like when the NFL teams in training camp now have those um, joint practices, I do think some some type of exhibition games where teams are invited and play each other for maybe like a week. You know, you have one week of just regular type of spring training up north and then another week of, you know, for the for Monday through Wednesday, you play one team, Thursday through Saturday, you play another, and then you get ready to go the following Monday. Well, <laughs> well, you guys love that this, idea. This, huh? this is, <laughs> I do like that. I do. I, you know, I would love a, a little series with the Baltimore Orioles or the Pittsburgh Pirates. I like going to both places. Yeah. Now, one thing I had on my calendar, May 8th, the, the, the thing with the, whatever that weekend is, seven, eight, nine, I was going to go to Pittsburgh and watch the Phillies play. Uh, every time the Phillies are in Baltimore, I go watch the Phillies play. But, uh, you know, a little little game like that. Maybe it'll it'll spark some interest, help to get the fans back excited. But we have a lot of time to figure this out. We have a lot to see what goes on in the world. And we'll be right back to talk a little bit more about the Phillies in, in particular, particularly around JT Real Muto, because while there's a break, the Phillies and Real Muto can talk business more after this. Frank Close, Jeff Mosher, Hunter Brody. This is the Powder Blue Podcast. And we're back with this latest coronavirus edition of the Powder Blue podcast as we try to figure out how baseball and the rest of the world will resume and when they will resume. Uh, But speaking of resuming, one thing that this hiatus, if if for lack of a better word, has given the opportunity to uh, resume, and that would be contract talks between the Phillies and catcher JT Real Muto. Now, Interesting report that kind of I didn't hear this report many places. Okay, so I don't I think this was kind of under the radar this week. But John Heyman, MLB insider, who everybody knows and is known for breaking breaking news. In a podcast buried, he gave a little bit of an update about Real Muto's contract extension. Now, we all know that JT Real Muto lost his arbitration hearing. And he's going to make $10 million this year. And although he said, hey, there's no hard feelings, I'm just simply trying to, st- to step up for for other catchers in the league. Uh, but but uh, John Heyman, who's with MLB Network and, of course, a lot of other outlets over the years, uh, he said uh, in his podcast, and it's called Big Time Baseball, 
Okay, so I check that out. John Heyman, he does he does have a podcast. Uh, but Real Muto's camp reportedly has been looking to top the amount of money that Buster Posey got in his deal in terms of overall guarantee. And they're using the Paul Goldschmidt extension with the St. Louis Cardinals as another talking point. So there, there's a lot going on here. So just to sort of break down those two deals for you, Posey signs an eight-year, $159 million extension. All right. So now this was this is before he finished arbitration, right? So so you can do the math. If it was 160, that would be 20 million a year for eight years. So that's a really long extension. And then Goldschmidt ends up getting six years at 26 million a year. Now, if the real Muto camp wants Goldschmidt money, I don't think they can get eight years like Posey did. By the way, Posey is not going to finish that contract well. Like Paul Goldschmidt, six years at $26 million per. That's way more than we've been talking about up to this point. So, Jeff, yeah, what do you do if JT Real Muto is insisting upon six years at $26 million per? Can I first just try to figure out how Paul Goldschmidt got lumped into this when he's not a catcher? I don't know. That's a great question. (laughs) Unless they are definitely moving uh, JT Real Muto to first base, and that is part of the contract discussion. I have no idea how you just take a random good first baseman who just signed an extension uh, this time last year and factor him into the equation. I guess the comp would be he was somebody who was – in his last year of arbitration years and was going to be a free agent next. So I think that's the, that's the comparison they can make and they could say, Hey, he's one of the best at his position. Uh, Real Muto is the best at his position. Maybe there's a correlation there. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess you could say that for any player ever who signs in his last year of arbitration, no matter what position, I guess, if that's the way they're going to use that. Right. <laughs> Which would be yeah. flawed. <laughs> Yeah, that that does make a little sense. So I see how they roped him in. Uh, let, so I'll just say this: w- when it comes to a catcher, I almost understand. I I do favor the higher APY over the fewer years than the low. I want the anti Bryce Harper contract. I will pay him twenty six million dollars a year over five or six years to avoid having to sign a guy at a position that historically wears down. So I'm all about the overpay for the shorter term than saving money for the longer term, which I think is not going to save you money because you may not be getting nearly the type of player you want it to be at back into the deal. I'm not worried about Bryce Harper, what he's going to be like in 10 years because the wear and tear on an outfielder is nowhere near the wear and tear on a catcher. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I think I'm in the same exact boat. Pay him more per year, but you take the terms down, and that's exactly what you need to do with a position like this because before you know it, their career is totally different from one year to the next. Now, two other contracts, if you go back in history. So Russell Martin, at one point, he got five years, $82.5 million. All right now, you got to go back a little bit. And Brian McCann... Five years and eighty million. So you're talking, you're talking sixteen to sixteen five, and mm-hmm. you got to go back five years. So like, if you go five years for a catcher now, what are you supposed to pay him? If if those guys, again, you got to you got to spin well, the clock back a while for for Russell Martin and Brian McCann. But you can argue would, that yeah, the, why the are values going, are up so far? What did Salvador Perez get from the Royals? I feel like that's more. Oh, he was way underpaid. So Salvador Perez, like he was. 
that contract was signed before he was really good. And by the way, he didn't play last year. So right. Um, I so he signed his, it after their World Series win, though. He signed it before that. So he signed a contract. Of, so um, let me. So it was a five-year, fifty-two point five million dollar contract. Wow. So like wow. ten and a half a year. How did huh? he get hurt again? Wasn't it weird, or was it in spring training? For some reason, I feel like someone had a bad injury where they did something outside of the sport. It wasn't him, was it? Maybe not. So he ended up having Tommy John surgery. Surgery. Oh, really? So normally that's oh. for normally that is for pitchers, of right. course. But you know, obviously the catching position, the the, the elbow is yeah is, is important <laughs> here. So for I think uh, so yeah. So uh, not to so, get sidetracked. How did John Wall get injured? Did he do something outside of basketball, or is it Ooh. not co- John Wall? The, this, the the former the, the, Nick John yeah, Wall? No, oh my, you guys are come on, come on, fellas. The Wizards, John the Wall, Wizards. the Wizards, All Star. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm he sorry. ended up here it is Achilles, right? Yes, like Ryan but I'm Howard pretty did. sure he did it outside of baseball, and I thought that was Perez, but apparently well, I'm sure not. it was outside of baseball. I promise I'm you that. Oh, we're all over the place. <laughs> anyway, let's get back this, to the Phillies. We're, we're all messed up this week. This, <laughs> this has not been a normal week for anybody, so the people better understand. So I think we're all sidetracked. Yeah. Well, I would. You're right. The Perez deal is is not something that we can use as a really good barometer because a it's it's outdated and b it's um, just not market value. So, wow, you really do have to go back to the Russell Martin deal. And, then, and, then, and here's the here's part of the problem. It's like the the you know the Perez example kind of underscores the point that there's a lot of risk in signing catchers now. Um, now, Real Muto can say, "Well, that's not fair." Like, but but if Real Muto, let's just say he moved to first base permanently, like, what type of contract does a first baseman Real Muto with that bat get? I mean, I'm sure he would do very well. Like, you know, I I, have, I think back to um, I, you were alive at this point, Hunter. You were only two, but Darren Dalton playing first base for the Miami Marlins in 1997. You know, I'll never his forget it. <laughs> his leadership mattered then, but like the bat was not the. T- typical first base bat at that point mm-hmm. if your muto plays first base i don't think he gives you that kind of value so it's kind of a tough tough call here now here's the here's the thing if the phillies say look we love you jt we can't go six years at 26 per and he does hit the free agent market is the team going to give him that no, you know, probably not, to be honest with you, unless it's a stupid team, and then there's always one, and you have to run that risk. But, I mean, even the, the idea of moving him to first base to save his career, there's too many variables can get in that way, too. First of all, Reese Hoskins might wind up really putting it together and being a very good first baseman for the next 10 years. Second of all, if Reese Hoskins is not, Alec Bohm might be the guy who has to move over to first base because he may not be good enough to play third base, and he's certainly someone that they're invested in and believe is going to be a very good player. So I don't even see an obvious and clear entry to first base for JT Realmuto unless two things go wrong ahead of that. So I don't know. That's why I think it's best to keep it at a short-term deal, best to overpay for on a five-year deal than try to secure so You'll go 10. five. So how many years? Maybe, per, I mean, how maybe much I would go per? seven with an opt-out, though, after five. Of so, course, I don't so, know if he'll agree to that. Well, but. yeah, I was going to say, he's not going to opt out if he's hurt, right? So how right. much money? All right, so let's. there's two things here that are going to be the issues. The AAV. Now, Joe Maurer, he's the other name that comes up a lot. Now, the Twins paid him so much money. He may, he played most of that contract as a first baseman and a DH. But Joe Maurer, 
signed that seven-year deal. At tw- I think it was seven years at $23 million per. So what do you give per year? So there's two two things, per year and how many years. So if I had to ask both of you, what's, what's your max in both categories? What would you say? Hunter, I'm going to go with you first. Max number of years, max dollars per year. I, I think I would top out at six years. I think that would be like my max if I had to go. Ma- Here's the reason why I'm factoring in six years. When I look at what they gave up and Sixto Sanchez, like they gave up like a prospect that is legit. So we think and we're going to have to find out as time time moves forward here. But you gave up these players. Jorge Alfaro is one of them, although he is a very replaceable piece. I'm not giving that up for what we got out of JT Romuto last season and then this year. Like, I, I need more than that. So, if you do need to overpay, by, like, if you're going to go five years, why wouldn't you go six? I, I would draw the line at six years. I would not go past that. Six years for the for the years. And then when you look at the AAV, if, if you do need to touch mid-20, the 25 range. I mean, I just I can't let this guy walk knowing what we gave up for him. So if that's well, the case, then that's that's what it is. The contract would technically start in 2021, right? Because arbitration cures this yeah, year. So and this year, this year. year is set, and, that, and that's good for the uh, competitive balance tax reasons because you didn't want a higher annu- average annual value to get in the way right. of this year. And that, that's why I really would stand pat at five years because it really would be like a six-year deal. I would not go any further than five years, and I would really try to stress four with a higher APY, maybe even up to, I don't know, 22, 23. Like, let me ask you this: If you're gonna, if if the difference in keeping JT Romuto here after giving up what you gave up is one more year at twenty two, like, is that gonna be the difference that that fifth year, or that it would be the fifth year or sixth year in the in the scenario you just laid out? For that a would catcher, be the difference. It really could be. It yeah. really, really could be. So I, I mean, now I would be pissed off at upper management in that case because you got to factor that in when you make that trade. We are going to have to extend him, and this is realistically the numbers we were looking at. So mm-hmm. if they didn't factor that in, then I wouldn't have even made the move to begin with and giving up Sixto Sanchez. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it works both ways, though. I mean, if you want a guy, you got to be aggressive and you have to take some risks. You know, it's like uh, in the NFL when you trade for a guy who's got one year left on his deal. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're not in the greatest position of leverage, but here's, here's the thing. The, the circumstances of the Phillies getting real Muto to begin with was he had an agent who was going to hold it to the Marlins, right? He was, he was going to be tough. Trade me trade him, trade him, trade him. He was going to be a pain in the neck. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm saying neck cause this is a family show. And he was going to make sure that real Muto got his way. I have a feeling that Real Muto is going to try to get his way. So here's my final word since the segment's almost up. I I go to Real Muto. I say, look, five years at 23 per match Mauer for that. We can all agree that Mauer did not play catcher for all those years. Russell Martin, the comp, Brian McCain comp. They got their five years. We'll go 23 per. All right, let's make it 23.1 if that if you really need the ego to say that you were the highest paid ever AAV. But if you really insist, we'll put an option for the sixth year based on games played. And if, if you can satisfy that, it helps us mitigate our risk as a team with the, the, a tough position. And that will make you feel like if you can stay healthy, that's something you can get. So... But I'm not the one who makes the decisions. I'm not a player agent. I am not an executive for the Phillies. 
and none of us are, unfortunately. Otherwise, we'd have this all worked out. But well, we should be. <laughs> yeah, we should be. Absolutely. We should be GMs. Like that great Phillies website that was one of the best ones back in the day, right? So uh, Frank Close, Jeff Mosher, Hunter Brody, 97.3 ESPN. When we come back, we'll talk about Sir Anthony Dominguez and the Phillies make an international free agent signing. Welcome back to the Powder Blue Podcast. Jeff Mosher, Hunter Brody. I'm Frank Close. And we're talking Phillies baseball, even though there is none at the moment, but there will be again, and we're very, very excited to talk about it. So two things to talk about in our final segment. One, I'll do this one first, since there's there's not a lot we know about him at this point, but uh, you know, the Phillies did make a pretty significant minor league or international, excuse me, international signing. They signed a an 18-year-old Yosuar Garcia, uh, according to Ben Badler of baseball america this has not been uh really uh publicly confirmed yet but uh but this was somebody that the phillies had their eye on for a while uh he, he was one of the big names a year ago but there was some dispute over his birth certificate and how old he was but uh, at the end of the day he's a very talented young player from venezuela and uh, he has the nickname the drone and he is Said to have plus plus speed in center field, six one, little little thin, hundred fifty five pounds. But uh, wow, that MLB. is thin. Yeah, MLB.com. Jesse Sanchez says he's going to gain more weight as he gets older, but he's described as show that he shows good instincts and is a gap hitter. But anyway, here, here's the good thing: the Phillies are spending significant money now, two point five million. It doesn't sound like a lot in baseball terms, but you only get such a bonus pool, right? So. A Philly spent two point five million on one player, and uh, you know it's nice to see the Phillies making some moves on the international level, right? Because they've 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 met they've you know Jalen Ortiz was the big name they signed a few years ago. He's still kind of toiling in the minor leagues. You saw him in one spring training game this year. Hopefully, one works out for once. I mean, we we you know followers of the Phillies, Frank and Hunter, and Hunter, your uh, you know your age may cloud you are on this a little bit uh, no, and i'm no offense but most people, <laughs> the long time guys know that the phillies have been uh behind the curve when it comes to latin american scouting and development compared to teams like the yankees and other teams yeah who have been ahead of the curve for a long long time so i think it was only until recently and i'm sure frank can can uh elaborate on it did the phillies even have an academy built down in uh, Latin America to be able to recruit and sign guys like uh, – how is it pronounced? Yowzer? Yeah. Garcia? Yeah, that, that's something I need work on myself. <laughs> <laughs> Yaswar Garcia. Yaswar. Right, go Yaswar. I think it's Yaswar. I, Yaswar. I, I, I love that name, actually. Yaswar. Sounds very regal, very stately. Yaswar. I'm sure he's got to, well, again, they call him the drone, so that's all you need to know, right? He's the drone. What does that mean? He hovers <laughs> over center field. Oh well, that's great. That's well, we great. have Adam. Like ha- we have Adam Hazley doing that. <laughs> no, Roman Quinn. Roman thank you very much. Yes. My last <laughs> pick in the uh, in my fantasy draft because I think he's a sleeper. I told you. I I told you that. Oh, you know, my, Mike Gill. My oh, I, I was the one who said that uh, that Jake Arrieta should be a closer. <laughs> well, well, yeah. It, nobody it, ever it. will say that except 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 present company. So to be fair, he actually <laughs> did say that. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I just so the Phillies have been behind the curve, so it's good to see them do this. Uh, you know, they've been unbelievable. There's great talent in Venezuela. I mean, this this goes back to 
you know, Omar Viz, Omar Vizquel to to Miguel Cabrera, who Bobby was Abreu. Bobby Abreu. Hey, Bobby Abreu. He was like, he was like, a lot of people don't know this, but mm-hmm. in Venezuela, he was like the Michael Jordan of Venezuela. Like he oh, was I in every commercial. He was like the, the best known guy making appearances on TV shows. Right. So, so good to see the Phillies are even active in the shutdown and they're, and they're, they're, they're making yeah. a significant minor league signing, but uh, let's bring it back to camp for a minute. I know we, we wanted to talk about this in the little time we have left. Sir Anthony Dominguez once again shut down. You know, we had a couple outings from him, and a lot of people were encouraged, but unfortunately, he has a setback. Sir Anthony mentions he's worried about the rest of his career, so it sounds very, very serious. Uh, obviously, none of us are allowed anywhere near the Phillies spring training facility. In fact, they shut down the whole facility, and everybody has to leave. So we can't get any updates, but the last thing we know is. His elbow isn't good. Yeah, it's it's kind of pathetic that they went this route. There's one person who succeeded not having surgery, and there's five billion players who did not, you know, who who needed the surgery itself. So when you look at that, it's pretty clear. And I think we all knew that this was going to happen at some point. And I'll even throw Jake Arrieta in the mix. I know his was nothing serious, and they're saying it's very precautionary. But just the fact that this is a conversation once again that Arietta is leaving the field due to just discomfort, that is not a great sign either. So both of them... I'm just annoyed with the process. Not so much. It's not their fault, right? I mean, it's not their fault. You just have to look at the organization and their approach to this year with the pitching. It's the organization's fault to have the mindset of using these players once again. Yeah, I mean, listen, I said it earlier. <laughs> Arietta being hurt and Dominguez being hurt was almost a sign that baseball is here. And, right, you know, the, base, the season's here, par for the course. But here we are, and baseball's not yet here. Um, now, to be look, fair, Arietta Arietta did have a have a good start, and and I know they did have a trainer come out when he left the game, but he was fine. Okay, yeah, so I'm no not worry. buying it. I'm not buying it. You're not yeah. buying. I'm it. not buying it. I'm definitely not. I I knew from the jump he would be an issue again, and it's it's already happening. Do we My buddy Mike Ventola was calling the game. He told me not to worry, and I believe Mike Ventola, the great know, voice of the the uh, the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. We might need a new slogan. Don't let the coronavirus outbreak distract you from the fact that Jake Arietta <laughs> is hurt again. <laughs> so, uh, 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 all right. So, I here's my opinion on this, and uh, and I'm going to be very, very honest with everybody here. And and I, I never said it publicly at the time, but when Sir Anthony made his rise to the major leagues, I expressed to a friend of mine that I was a little concerned with the way he threw the ball. I, I thought that his elbow was going to give in. And I was not really shocked last year when it finally really did give in. Now, here's the thing. If you are the Phillies and there is a chance that he can avoid the surgery and pitch this year, I totally get why they took that chance. Now, here's why. Hear me out. So if if in July, okay, they go and do the surgery, the earliest he's pitching for the Phillies is probably September, if anything, right, of this year. Mm-hmm. So if they if they try to go the other route, they try to bring him through spring training, and he doesn't make it. He has surgery April first, for example. Guess when he can pitch again? Maybe the beginning of next season. So there's not a lot lost by no, giving it a don't shot. Don't you think that's significant? If he could have come back this September under your your scenario, and the Eagle, uh, the the Phillies are in the middle of a pennant race. Yeah, I'll stop that at some point. 
Um, don't you think have adding? It's like a guy getting you get at the trade deadline or the old like non waiver trade deadline. Uh, you know, maybe, but you're not you're not getting the guy that's in the swing of things. You know what I mean? Right. Like, to expect Tarantini to come back. back right yeah, from the surgery point. to that's, be that's dominant. Yeah. So I. So well, in I closing, would rather have expedited his hundred percent health status just to have him well, healthy. You know, that's not a guarantee later. either, to be honest. So you I'm know, on Moshe's side, though. I I still think I would go with if he can come back in September. I'm still taking that option over going with the well. You know, it doesn't lose that much time. Well, in in closing, either way, big blow for the Phillies. Whether it was for the short term, whether it was for a little bit of a longer term, and the Phillies bullpen has much to figure out if and when they resume in 2020. So for the Powder Blue Podcast, I'm Frank Close along with Jeff Mosher, Hunter Brody. We will catch you next week.